right move? The Property Podcast with Andrew Simmons and JP. Simo, I believe the term is ho, ho, ho. Well, yeah, and... <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got I've got my glass of sherry and a mince pie. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're uh, we're rocking around Christmas, aren't we? Aren't we the civilized one? I say it. Yes. A, 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 now, I presume it's a schooner of Bristol cream. Oh, it, it has to be, doesn't it? You know, bit of bit of bit of Harvey's cream. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> let's not incriminate Harvey. Now, this episode, this episode has in it some. I think fantastic Christmas gifts. A very carefully wrapped Charlie Lambdin, who's running the rule over what he says is a key part of the the property market currently. Yep, definitely. And uh, you know, we, uh, we we we're going to hear a lot more from Charlie. And Charlie's going to be joining us, as you know, but now our lovely listeners know uh, regularly to give us an insight from his perspective on a bit more of a, a broader drop in of the um, of the property market. Yeah, so uh, Charlie's, as you say, contributing every month now, which is brilliant, brilliant news. Charlie's takeaway, his you know kind of key takeaway from the the property market, the financial markets, and stuff like that every single month on uh, this podcast. So uh, that debuts soon, and and our our main guest Simo Jasmine Bertles, um, she's going to be coming on soon as well. Yeah, looking forward to talking to Jasmine. Actually, you know, she's got uh, you know, whilst it's not directly property related, her her take on a few things, but you know, she's um, she's very much got her finger on the pulse. Of course, she has, you know, from from her her main role as well. But you know, she she's got a finger on the pulse with general financial markets and the various ways, savvy ways to save and mm. keep things, you know, going. Especially in this time of well, we've got this cost of living crisis and. Uh, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to Jasmine. See what she she might have a couple of golden nuggets there. Yeah, I, I think so. She's obviously the founder of Money Magpie. She's on the telly a lot. She does radio. She's in print as well, national newspapers. Uh, so she's all across those key things, which I think, you know, you kind of said it, they're universal themes. All right, uh, it's not kind of how to get the best mortgage. We have kind of covered that in the past. Uh, but these are all things, you know, how to look after the pounds, etc., and the pennies. And, uh, you know, it's all about the bigger picture. So, Jasmine, uh, on soon. And there's <laughs> confessions of a social media elf, Simo. The elf on the shelf, fresh... <laughs> Fresh, you might well laugh. I wish you would. Yeah. Fresh from the havoc that is created at your your agencies. Yeah, the elf's been rather naughty this year. Um, but uh, you know, there's some things the elf's done, of course, that we can't publish. Uh, I wonder what they might be. So, uh, you know, if if anyone's got any ideas, you know, the elf has become a uh, social media sensation yeah. for for my my businesses now, and uh, you know, I run it as a sort of uh, Christmas themed uh, you know chuck it in there and just have a bit of fun really done it now for a couple of years and uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll carry on but you know if, if anyone's got any ideas that the uh, the estate agent elf could get up to then just sling them on in we'd like we'd really like to hear from them yeah and, and please hold fire we've done the gags of elf and safety and all the other possible <laughs> possible connotations and combinations uh, so okay that on soon looking forward to all of that and more selling selling buying buying investing investing are you making the right move Yes, it is The Right Move, the property podcast uh, with Simo and JP. And it's it's not going to be very long at all until the brilliant Jasmine Bertels, founder of Money Magpie, tells us 
where she thinks all of us, and the country included, she pulls no punches, are going wrong when it comes to financial matters, money, etc. She's very direct, funny, smart, and and there is, Simone, no politician double talk about her, you know, chiefly, I guess, because she's not a politician, but she she calls it as it is. I call a spade a spade, as you know, and uh, I think, you know, Jasmine really does. So, you know, it, it's <laughs> great to have her involved in this episode especially around christmas you know christmas is a, a time where people do tend to um often you know mm-hmm. spend uh considerably uh for uh you know for for presents and gifts and going out and things like that and then realizing the new year oh what have i done it's really nice that we've got um we've got jasmine on this episode you know it's uh yeah looking looking forward yeah. to that conversation yeah i think parents are in the firing line teachers some of them may be in the firing line she certainly isn't afraid to uh, speak her mind, which is excellent. Uh, so that'll be on very soon. First, though, uh, what can you say about him? Uh, apart from uh, a one-man social media tour de force when it comes to property analysis, opinion, advice, and, and forecasts in particular, because th- there's been a lot of exchanges, I think, recently uh, in the property sector on, on LinkedIn alone, where, where Charlie has set out a store, somebody else has kind of chipped in, disagreed or backed him up and he's got a lot going on youtube as well and tiktok and twitter so uh, we've got charlie's takeaway so uh this is gonna be interesting simo isn't it yeah and it is i i went on charlie's uh youtube channel only just a week or two ago now and uh we did a live q a about property values and what we think is going to happen um you know and uh, charlie and i are quite aligned uh, it, to a degree on what we think the next 12 months are going to bring. I maybe see uh, something happening perhaps slightly quicker, but the Charlie does see that, you know, things are, are going to definitely turn or are turning. And, uh, you know, we, we do have those views. I think Charlie has brought together a lot of his knowledge from all those years working in and around property and data and everything else and uh, you know it, it, it's great that we're going to have Charlie on regularly because he it, you know, rather than just listen to me whittle on about um, property prices and what's going on in the market actually bringing somebody in to be our sort of voice of reason is um, quite interesting. Let's take our first drop in then to Charlie's Takeaway. My biggest takeaway from the property market this year is the confusing effect of the time lag between when property transactions are agreed and when they are reported, which is roughly a six month time lag. And that in the changing market that we're experiencing is very confusing for a lot of movers and very difficult to actually work out what's happening because depending on who they listen to, they get conflicting reports. Um, Because of my position, with 20 years in the industry and the access to the data that I've got, I was able to see the market turning as it happened. Um, and, the, and I was convinced that the turn had begun in May. Uh, and we're now beginning to see the official house price statistics from the ONS confirming with the six-month delay factored in that house prices did indeed peak in around about April, May this year and started to come down. Um, and... The problem is, if you're looking to move house now and you want to know what's happening to house prices now, is that there is no data publicly available for what's happening now. And so what I say to all of my followers who ask me, 
How do we know what to pay for a property? Because we want to buy, even though the market is falling, but we don't want to overpay. So how do we not know what to pay without overpaying? And my answer, unfortunately, um, is that there is no shortcut. Um, there is no online data source that you can go to. You've got to be out viewing properties. It is the only reliable way to get your finger on the pulse of what's happening in your local market. Um, I know this is controversial to say this, but you know one of the other things I've learned is that estate agents, even very good estate agents, in fact, some of the best estate agents admit this themselves, will say, we're very, very good at getting a property sold for the best available price in the shortest time and helping our clients through that process with as little stress as possible. But that doesn't make us uh, fortune tellers of what's going to happen to house prices. And it's so nice to hear agents admit that. And I think a lot of people think, oh, want to know what's happening in the housing market? Ask estate agents. Well, whilst they'll have a finger on the pulse of what's happening at the coalface, which is why you should be out viewing, so that you can hear what they're saying is happening, um, they have no way of knowing, unless they become macroeconomists, they've got no other way of knowing what's happening in house prices than anyone else has. So if you are a buyer looking to buy your first home or looking to move and looking to see what it's going to cost to buy your next home, then the two things to remember are this. Number one, it doesn't really matter what's happening nationally or to average house prices or even in the region where you live. It only matters that you pay the right price for the property that you decide to buy. Okay. In the end, that's the only thing that matters. What is the right price for you personally for the property that you found that you decided you want to buy, no matter what the market conditions? And the only way to know what that is is to be looking locally at as many properties as you can with the estate agents, listening to what they're saying. You'll start to work out which properties are selling, which ones aren't selling, and you will develop your own idea of what the right price is. It's not easy, but it is doable. And in the end, you'll be able to rely on your gut feel. So, <laughs> I mean, there's no silver bullet, unfortunately, for people who want one on house prices. In the end, you've got to be out there and do your research at the coalface and put yourself into a position where you feel confident making the offer that's right for you on the property that you want to live in. Thank you guys, have a great Christmas, and I'll see you on the next one. All right, Simo, now, uh, I don't know about for you, you know, you, you may well have got some some separate points that struck you from, from Charlie's takeaway there, but I, I guess the big thing, as far as I was concerned, was he, he, he's sort of saying that but we need to be, the public need to be, more proactive doing more research you know not just accepting you know the word of one or two people when it comes to to property and your local market and prices and stuff and i think that idea of we want to buy a house and just opening up right move or similar website uh, and and hey presto everything will happen is just it's a goner as far as he's concerned yeah now you, you you take the point about opening up Rightmove and uh, you or Zoopla or any of the, 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 the portals out there. Um, you go to these portals and you see, right, this is a house that's on the market. This is, this is clearly a value for an area. Well, actually, that's just tosh because those houses, if they're sat there for a while, clearly they're not the price of the local area or the value of the local area um because they're not moving um so that directly tells you what's going on now when you're buying a house who are you listening to sadly you're listening to the estate agent and um you know i'm i'm 
I'm one of those. So you're having to understand uh, as a buyer what the agent is selling and they're selling the property. And as Charlie makes a strong point about in in general terms is that an, an estate agent is working for the vendor of that property. They're not working for you as a buyer. Um, but a good estate agent will balance it. So they'll work in the interests of the vendor. And that's more critical, not just working for the vendor, they're working in the interests of the vendor, because the vendor will want to sell. If the agent can bring in a buyer at a relatively reasonable price and can knit it together, where the vendor's happy, the buyer's happy, that's good estate agency. What's bad estate agency is the stereotypical, well, you've got to come in and you've got to pay the asking price, come what may. That's not negotiating skills. That's what a, that's just what somebody green and new to the business will do. Um, so, so yes, it's really important to do your own research, but where do you get that research? You know, you, you can't necessarily rely on the agent because the agent's trying to get the highest price. Now, I always work with my buyers and say, look, you know, obviously I'm working for the vendor um, and you've got to start with an offer. Now, no one's going to kick you out of bed for coming in with an offer that is what you feel you'd be happy to pay or you're chancing your arm slightly. Um, but bringing that, bringing that up to a, a, a level that everyone's happy is, um, uh, it's the way to go. I mean, I'll give you an example. Sold a house recently. Uh, on the market, 600,000. Vendor saying, look, I'm not in a hurry. I don't need to sell it. It's 600,000. I've got a buyer who's coming in at 580 uh, and then rejected. 585 rejected i'm talking to the vendor and saying come on look in this current market you'd be silly to lose this opportunity but the buyer you know the buyer came up eventually to to meet them at, at, at 590 and, and it was a deal it was like okay fine we'll, we'll accept 590 mm. because it was a pragmatic approach to things now um you know a, a, an agent is compelled to pass on that offer come what may to the um to the vendor so you know it's not as if the agent is holding things back and if they don't do that then they're that they're, they're, you know they need to be reported um but uh you know ultimately that's the way it should work it, it almost sounds to me like both you and mr lambden are making a, a very uh indirect well an indirect but eloquent argument for the services of a buying agent and we we happen to know a very nice one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you know it's it's funny because yes, it, it is it is it is interesting. And I was talking to somebody else recently about um, buying agents, mm. and you know, obviously we spoke to Jerome recently, and mm. you know, he 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 eloquently told us um, why a buying agent's useful. But not everybody can afford the mm. services of of a buying agent. You know, they're selling a house, they're selling sure. with a commission on the sale, they're buying, they're paying a commission on the bar on the buying um, uh, price. So. Not everyone can do that. Um, you know, frankly, the foreign system that, you know, certainly the system I'm used to seeing in, in Spain, um, where you have uh, listers and you have buying agents, essentially, everyone shares the pool of properties out there. And um, but then the commissions are 10% and the 10% is split 50 50 mm. between the buying agent and the selling agent. So you know you're um you know you, you, you're finding the buyer mm. 
but you're using a slightly different approach. Um, and you know, our, our fees here in the UK are much lower. Obviously, the property prices are much higher. Um, so as a general rule, um, you know, we have to um, we have to be honest. And, mm. I, and I think it goes back to, yes, we can suggest maybe a buying agent is a good thing. It is a good thing in um, many instances. But what's better is a good estate agent that is going to have the interests mm. the best interests of the vendor yeah. now whether that is as i as i as alluded earlier on whether that's as a you know we're going to sell it for the full asking price or we're going to sell it at a reasonable price that everybody's happy with i think that's critical mm. because ultimately if you get it wrong in the deal there's always the chance that there'll be a reneg further down the line mm -hmm. of the renegotiation mm -hmm. of the price um whether that's because of a survey something's wrong whether that's because of um the lender comes in and dang values it or whether the market just trips like it has and we're seeing lots of renegs um and in fact I've, I've heard of one only today uh one of my um properties is further further up the chain but at the bottom of the chain they're looking at a reneg mm -hmm. of forty thousand pounds um i mean that's 10 percent on the property price mm -hmm. but you know it is a um it's a big big uh pill that to have to swallow as a vendor yeah. um now um we you know it, it, you go into these things and if you go in with a if you go into a deal with a price that fits everybody and that is beneficial to everybody there's less likelihood of that reneg so um if somebody's paying full asking price they'll look they'll as a buyer they will always look for some reason to renegotiate because they still want the deal but they'll they'll deal with they'll do it later down the line yeah. um and so it's always a tricky one because um you know the balance of of getting the price right but 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 charlie's absolutely right do the research yeah. but don't just do the research on what you think is the research you know actually go and have a conversation with various people even to the point that you can pick up the phone to other agents you know there are your your agent for example you know your agent if you're selling wants your deal on the sale and your purchase to go through so your agent will help you give you advice on what they feel especially if it's in the in mm. in, in the same area all oh, there's always team kerstles and team pip of course well, yeah, but how many people apply? How many people apply yeah. to go on there? Yeah, bit of a waiting list. Yeah, could see that one might, might be a problem. Uh, Jasmine Bertels from Money Magpie will be here soon for uh, financial wisdom that will serve you really, really well. You are with The Right Move, the property podcast. Now, tell me, tell me, Simo, uh, about this elf of yours. Oh, the cheeky little elf. The cheeky little elf. <laughs> he gets up to some mischief, does our little elf. Uh-huh. He or she or non-binary, but um, mm. the uh, the elf is um, from the beginning of December. The elf does do some naughty things. Yeah, he, he or she, as you say, is a law unto themselves, as uh, has been posted on various social media outlets. Loads of um, rebelliousness and mischief. I'm upset in his wake, it's wake. And um, the elf in question has left us a recording, Simo, a kind of audio diary oh, yes. of an elf on the shelf. So uh, let's, let's run it. Oh, hello, Mr Andrew. 
I'm the mischievous little elf on the shelf who's been going around your estate agencies and creating all sorts of calamity. I had a naughty but nice glug of milk from the office fridge, but I did wonder whose secret supply of chocolate that was behind the slightly bruised cucumber and an old ham sandwich. Have you been on the star bars between viewings, Mr. Andrew? The other day, I managed to hoist myself up onto the company photocopier. <laughs> I hope nobody takes exception to the A3 poster of my Christmas baubles. I must say, getting into the Scout's festive postbox was great fun. Although I hope it's collected soon, I felt like Bristol Rovers spending forever in the box and nothing happened. Hmm, now to try and think of other hijinks and jolly japes to get up to. I know, I might try and get on your bike, Mr. Andrew, and then really go elf for leather. Well, the bike's <laughs> tucked up for for the, for the winter now. Oh, so, is it? You know, I don't think I, don't, I think if I went to try and fire it up, the uh, the battery's probably flat. Um, but but we we I don't I do not ride my motorbike elf for leather. Uh, <laughs> I am a very sensible uh, rider of said machine. I I would love to know how long he spent uh, coming up with that ingenious pun because everybody does the elf and safety, don't they? Yeah. I think he worked on that for at least all four minutes. Oh, you give him too much credit. There we go. It's four minutes. I can see, you know, the I mean, best we, dad joke uh, of the I, year. That one, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Well, we joke him, but I can see this getting a life of its own in podcast networks. You know, an, a new elf podcast, all of its own. <laughs> I mean, what the December comes. Every day of the year with an L. Well, there you go. Well, yeah. that's what that's what Wizard asked for and Roy Wood, wasn't it? So there we we can make it so we can make it happen. Right, look, that's enough of that now. Let's um let's get back on track. You know, we're uh, we're here to hear from Jasmine. So yeah, let's bring on Jasmine right this minute. You're with the right move, the property podcast. Now, I know it's it's probably a sweeping statement to start off with, but you do hear people say all the time they should teach finance, money management in schools. Do, do you think that's a fair comment? Do you think that's where we need to be? Absolutely. And, you know, what drives me nuts is that I've been saying this for 20 years, mm. and I'm sure there are other people who've been saying it for longer. And to be frank, I don't really understand why it hasn't already been done. In theory, it's there. In theory, it's part of, um, what's it called, citizenship or some mm, sort of, mm. you know, vague term that they have in, in schools. Um, so in theory, it's it's in all the schools. But in practice, my feeling is that the teachers need to be taught it because I don't know about you, but but in my experience, teachers are not brilliant at managing their money. So when it comes to actually teaching it to others, you know, yeah. <laughs> they haven't got much of a much of a hope. There are here and there, you know, yeah. if you're lucky, there are dotted around the country. There are some schools that that have at least one mm. person who's really clued up. And um, was it? I can't remember. Three or four years ago, I did um, a report for the BBC um, for uh, I can't remember, you know, sort of um, five o'clock show, six o'clock show, whatever. Um, all about this lovely little primary school in um, Boston in Lincolnshire, Curtin School, mm. and they are absolutely wonderful. They created their own 
um, currency, Kurtz. Uh, the children designed it, um, and then they, they earn Kurtz by getting ten out of ten in their spellings or their uh -huh. their times table, or being good in in sports, or turning up on time. You know, all sorts of ways that you can earn money, and so they learn about earning money. Then they've got an actual sort of large Wendy house. I mean, proper proper um, made of wood um, bank and a shop also, and there's huge competition to be bank manager huge competition to be to be shop manager um and top class get to do that and lunchtime the kids take their curts into the bank and they they deposit it in the bank deposit their money they get 10 percent interest on it not bad <laughs> yeah. yep and once they've earned enough curts um they can i think after they've got at least three they can take some out um and once they've got enough then they can take it out and buy actual things in the shop next door rubbers teddies ribbons all sorts of things and and they can save up for for games and and i mean it's brilliant utterly brilliant i think you know and i would like to see that across the country yes. right now mm. it's it's that's that's inspired and it, it has that fun mm. element and it's uh, yeah wow what a fantastic thing um and and yeah you've you've more than amply illustrated there how piecemeal the approach tends to be mm. towards mm. money and also the you know, I don't want to knock secondary schools at all, but there is this sort of element of often the learning is more sort of uh, peer constructed, has that fun element when mm. they're in primary, and then suddenly it changes and becomes a lot more austere and not necessarily as practical. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great point. I mean, I suppose people would argue that um, why should schools pick up the slack, I guess, when we've got the internet, particularly, I mean, you know, YouTube tutorials and all the like and websites. But I'm, I, th I think it's fair to say that learning about good discipline around money from the internet, th there's some pitfalls out there, Jasmine. <laughs> oh, they're just just a teensy bit. There are. <laughs> yes, I mean there are fabulous websites like mine, moneymagpie.com, of course, which is you know yeah. totally the place to go. But gosh, there's a load, and I'm seeing quite a lot more research now that's finding that um, young people, particularly, I mean obviously kids, but also. Gen Zers and millennials even, they're going to social media. I mean, it's mm. not just even the web, it's social media for their their knowledge, if you can call it that. I mean, that's the worst. I, I mean, I just got one from Royal London uh, the other day. They said, um, individually, it says, individuals increasingly lean on social media with one in seven looking to social platforms for information on their pension, on their pension, oh, for goodness good. sake. I mean, it's not, not even, I mean, money safe. You know, there are loads of, money saving bloggers money saving mums all that you know mm. there's lots of good tips about how to save money with the shopping and all that sort of thing but when it comes to your pension crypto investments no 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 um and and the, the thing is that i think you know ideally really it's it's like a lot of things like sex, sex education it's like like cooking these things ideally should come from your parents mm. but in all of these things, parents and particularly money, um, parents are pretty useless on the whole. If you're lucky, you might get one parent who's good at budgeting at least. But but much of the time, um, most adults in this country, because they haven't had any training from anybody, they're useless at money. So, you know, what we ideally need to see is, I think, a, a really good programme across the schools um, that at least will enable us in the future to have a country that isn't underneath the below the average when it comes to um, financial literacy and according to the OECD we are below average when it comes to financial literacy behind 
all, I think all other European countries other than I think it was Cyprus. I was just looking at the graph today. It makes depressing viewing, yeah. frankly. Yeah. Mm. You can almost kind of feel that awkwardness when a teenager is, is asked to sit down by its parents and said, we want to talk to you about Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> no, please, mum, don't. Anything but that. <laughs> Anything but that, yes. Um, so, Jasmine, let's come back up to date. Uh, you know, you recently spoke about the double whammy of a stagnant economy and inflation uh, on one of your TV appearances and called it an impenetrable problem. Do you still see it that way? Uh, oh, it's it's a very difficult problem because, um, as you say, you you have a stagnant economy potentially. Well, actually, let's let's be honest. It, it's it's a stagnant economy. Um, we're talking recession, really. Mm. Um, and when you have a stagnant economy. Traditionally, at least, the way to help that is to bring interest rates down, probably print more money, for goodness sake. But anyway, loosen things up. So there's a load of cash washing through the system and business can borrow and people can feel a bit happier about spending and, you know, interest rates are low. So what's the point of spending a saving, etc. So that helps um, an economy. But when you have rampant inflation, which we also have big time, the way traditionally to deal with that is to raise interest rates, um, because that then reduces the flow of money, stops people buying. They can't, and, and you can particularly see that with mortgages, of course. You know, the the, the less, the more expensive it is to uh, borrow money, the the less they can offer for for properties, and it all comes down. Um, so when you have both of these things. You, Governments, Bank of England, you know, with central banks and governments, they sort of often work in lockstep. But, you know, they have to decide which way they're going to go because you can't do both. Um, and I, I'm I think in very much the minority in that I thought that Liz Truss's idea of going for growth was the right way to do it, actually. Mm. Um, but um, she, I think, you know, she was set up, she was fitted up, fitted up, mate. She was set up um, <laughs> by the, um, by the so-called markets. I don't think we have markets now in all, if yeah. I'm honest, I think it's all, it's all rigged, frankly, but that's a whole other conversation. But um, I think that going for growth was the right thing. I thought that bringing tax down was the right thing because again paradoxically in the past at least every time taxes have been brought down the actual tax take the amount of income that that governments have got from that tax has increased mm -hmm. because when you bring taxes down um the economy improves pretty much always um people again people have more money in their pockets they spend more now the the problem with that of course is that that would increase um, inflation. So in the short to medium term, we would have more inflation. But I personally feel that that is something worth having. Well, it's not worth having. I mean, you know, again, I'll go into why why we've got inflation and, and who I think is to blame for it. But, um, you know, in the short to medium term, we would have to deal with with more inflation, but we wouldn't have an economy that would judder to a halt. And I'm I'm so glad from a, a podcast conversation a point of view, at least the one that I kind of planned, um, that <laughs> you mentioned uh, Truss and Quartang because, uh, I mean, only in October, I think, you, you said, look, let's give this a good few months. And, of course, we yes. didn't, did we? We didn't. No, we didn't. And, uh, are we just, <laughs> it's shocking. Are we just naturally, rhetorical question, I guess, number one, are we just naturally too impatient, Jasmine, when it comes to the economy? No, I don't honestly think we are. I, I think we have all been fitted up. I think there is something very dodgy going on because 
any normal person, you know, they might go, no, oh, that's stupid, isn't it? Uh, you know, as we have a tendency to do in this country. But we, we, I think we as, as citizens, we would have put up with it and thought, right, let's give it six months, let's see. But um, the markets and goodness knows who um, said, no, that's not the, the game plan that we're looking at. And, and we had essentially a palace coup with suddenly Rishi Sunak pushing himself into the top job, um, bringing Jeremy Hunt with him, and who nobody wanted. I mean, Jeremy Hunt, even his own party loathes him. Rishi Sunak spent months trying to be um, voted in to as, as the uh, prime minister and was beaten by Liz Truss. But now suddenly we've got them both. And there's something, something smells really wrong about that. Something smells really wrong about the markets suddenly going, oh, this is wrong. They don't, it's not, it, it really, I really don't think it was. I think that we as a nation, not just trust and Quateng, but we as a nation have been trussed up um, by, by the so-called markets and by some, I don't know who, but some shadowy figures, it seems to me um, that are, are, following some sort of an agenda, which is frankly not my agenda, certainly. People just don't like to admit they're wrong, do they? But, you know, you always seem to be quite happy to admit it when you call, when you call things wrong. Do politicians need to be more jasmine? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gosh, I bet that would go down like a plate of cold sick, wouldn't it? Um, be more jasmine. Be yeah. more jasmine. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you said it could take up to 10 years to get the country's finances back on track after the pandemic is it possible to say what we've still got to do it's pain i i mean i hate to you know to, to add to the depression but again in history when when governments like ours have wantonly devalued the currency have wantonly printed money when anybody sensible was shouting to them people like me saying don't do it and they, they just can't hear you can't hear you we're just going to print money and closed down the economy utterly needlessly as you can tell I am very I have always been anti-lockdown and and I continue to shout about it I've always been against money printing and I continue to shout about it um and when you do that, you create inflation. And, you know, they're, they're all saying, oh, it's Putin. No, it's not. No, no, Ukraine, Putin, that's just the cherry on the top of the cake. Mm. No, the cake's already there. And and if the Ukraine war stopped tomorrow, we'd still have a problem. Um, and when you do that, when you create inflation, the again, historically, I don't know of another way, but historically, the only way out of it is pain, our pain. And, and inflation is deliberately created by, by governments um, who just want to, you know, short term gain by printing money and, and you know, having a bit of fun and um, making sure that they and their, their friends are doing very nicely out of whatever it is. You know, there are lots of things that go up in inflation, of course, lots of lots of people can gain out of it. You know, lots of a certain um, type of person can gain from it. the rest of us. Um, we we go through a lot of pain in order to bring that inflation down. You know, I mean, we you just think about um when was it? So the early nineties. Um, was it early nineties or um, end of the eighties? When when in the interest rates were in this country. I mean, um, mortgage rates were like eighteen percent or something, wasn't it? I, you know, certainly double, in, well into double figures, um, and that's painful. You know, and it's us, we the people, we're the ones who suffer from it. And you know, in many ways, that's what we're looking at. I think. 
um, uh, there's a, um, a a property a YouTuber, blogger, expert, etc. that I can think of. Uh, Moving home with Charlie, who is uh, homed in on a um, some information today from a Bloomberg economist, Jasmine, who mm. Mm. suggests that the sharp shock in interest rates may have prevented more buyers from buying at a bad time in the property market. Mm. How do you feel about yeah. that? How do you feel? Well, it, it is a good point. Mm. You know, it, it does make sense, I think, that... But mind you, I said this before and been wrong. Um, it I does make sense that uh, house prices should be starting to go down. Uh, I mean, if, even, even if we didn't have a rise in interest rates, just the cost of living, people can't afford the the mortgages that they thought they could afford before frankly a lot of people have taken out mortgages that they couldn't afford even then really if they thought about it um but that's you know that's that's a by the by but um yeah i think he's got a i think he has a very good point um that that it has stopped a lot of people and there are a lot of people including my me who are sort of watching the market thinking okay when's it going to crash then when's it when's it going to go down mm. but as i say i thought that at the start of the lockdowns i thought oh it's all going to go down no government steps in in that's government way messes everything up decides to to you know create um lots more money and and that surprise surprise goes into the um, housing market and the stock market and it all, all bubbles up again what would be your best advice for the person who's looking to buy or indeed invest in property right now well yes it does depend on where you're buying what you're buying how you're buying it why you're buying particularly why you're buying it so if you're uh, moving house you're, you're selling it as one place and then buying another you know it, honestly it doesn't really matter when you do that because you if the market's going down fine if it's going up fine because you're you're selling and buying effectively at the same rate unless of course you're selling in central london and buying in yorkshire or mm. or selling in yorkshire but you know so that would be the the difference because it's sort of or s selling in the middle of town which is not particularly um popular at the moment and buying in the country then that could be a different one so you know that it's it's pretty equal either way but if you're if you're a first time buyer um, I'm saying to people, wait, um, I, I would just, I would wait for a bit and just watch, wait and watch, yeah. um, continue to save some money. Um, and then certainly for investing again, um, I, I think there, there are some bargains to be had, but again, I think they're likely, there are likely to be more bargains later on. Although, you know, having said that, um, and you would know better than me, but, um, I have noticed that there's not a lot on the market because I think a lot of sellers who would have been selling now are mm. thinking, oh, no, I, wouldn't, I won't get the, the rate that I... And so that actually could keep prices up if, if we don't have the, the supply. Thanks so much, Jasmine. Thanks for coming uh, and, and joining us today on the podcast. It's been fantastic having you and, uh, yeah, really pleased. Thanks very much. One of the, the, the kind of big headlines, I suppose, from, from Jasmine, you know, right at the start of that conversation was obviously schools, education, there was this glowing example of a primary school and, and the, the kind of their own currency, if you like, and what they had to do to earn it and getting a sense of, of the value of things, the work you put in, how careful and sensible you are with it. But it's not something that's across the board. And I mean, you are someone, Simo, amongst other things, that you've had you know, quite a lot to do with schools, you know, academy trusts and stuff like that, uh, governance. So what's what's your opinion on this? Is, is she right? Do it? Are we lacking in schools to to teach kids about money? 
Do you know, it's, it's funny because I, I, you're right. I have been, um, I've been a, a, a governor and, um, uh, you know, involved in multi academy trust uh, for my sins. And it's very interesting. If you don't really know education, um, getting, uh, becoming involved with a trust from the inside it, it is a massive eye opener, massive eye opener. Um, and, uh, you know, it is very, very hard to, um, to, to, to make those changes to the curriculum. Now, um, you know, I certainly feel that she's absolutely that, that those comments that she's just made about how um, parents are not necessarily the best people to advise their children. Well, there's twofold, you know, I, for example, uh, you know, as you know, we've got a, uh, a bit of a, a swimmer in our midst with, with my daughter, Harriet, who um, is a, um, it's turning into being quite a, um, a, a, a prominent swimmer. Um, but, you know, and I swam at, at, at county level for when I was, when I was a teenager. So I kind of know what it's all about. And so trying to teach her is impossible because she doesn't trust what I'm saying, because what does her dad know? I think that's the same with money, because if you try and teach your child something um, and you have maybe overspent or you've bought something sort of frivolous, the child sees that. So they don't see it coming from someone that's teaching them. So having a coach or having somebody there to have that conversation that it isn't the parent, I think is key. I, I think Jasmine's comment about um, parents aren't the right teachers, it's not necessarily that parents are bad with money, but it's just the fact that it's difficult to, um, to teach a child that. So I do think it should be in schools. I, I totally mm -hmm. agree with her. Um, and that has a knock-on effect to savings i mean you know what a great what a great bit where they the school has um the 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 money and and they, they do the trading they go and buy things they save up and go to the bank and everything else what a fantastic bit yeah. of story that is and that whilst it's not going to be easy to have that in every school it also brings play into it doesn't it you know a bit of play you know we're going to do this shopkeeper and this that and the other but it's it's a good way of encouraging um you know it, it's so hard um to yeah it just it's so hard to have that conversation as a parent with your child um so yeah. I, I do i do i do see that but sorry going back to mm. the point about the school you know um yeah trying to introduce that into a curriculum isn't easy you know where do you mm. put it do you mm. put it in P pshe or do you put it you know where where does it go um and uh you know primary school children aren't quite yet ready to understand it secondary where do you put it within that do you put it early on or do you put it later mm. on you know what do you do um and i think there is this bubble that um schools do treat and especially coming now more so that children have to go to school and they might go to the canteen and buy themselves lunch but what do they do? They push their thumbprint on a, yes, you know, yes. on a, on a, on a device. Mm -hmm. And what all that does is take it off of mum and dad's credit that they've put <laughs> onto the online system. So, you know, yeah. it's not like we're there, you know, back in the day, you'd have the money in the wallet and mm -hmm. go, I mean, I am trying, we're trying to teach Charlie to, 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 to have this sort of money side of things. And we try and give him money at the, at the start of the week for mm -hmm. his lunches. 
But then by Wednesday, it's, oh, can I have some more? I stopped at the sweet shop on the way back <laughs> home. Yeah, oh, right, yeah. did you know? Well, every day. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, 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 I do think it's important. And, um, I mean, yeah. I kind of majored a bit on that, but not um, hmm. not unnecessarily, you know. Can we just be clear? You're talking about Charlie, as in your son, and not teaching Charlie Lambdin about money. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, no. I mean, uh, yeah, I, 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 yes, absolutely. I, uh, sorry, 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 Charlie. Look, uh, that's not that. <laughs> look, I, I've had occasionally the calls from student services where my twelve-year-old, who's just got up to secondary, says, uh, "Dad, um, can you put some more on for a snack or whatever it is?" You know, and you just. You know, he says, oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'll probably have the snack early in the week. And then, you know, you look and then later in the week, there's a pretzel here and a waffle there. And like you say, it's a, just scan the finger and there's <laughs> zero responsibility. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And I think and I think that is the case with cards as well. Yeah. So, you know, when when you've got some physical cash, it's tangible, isn't yeah. it? You know, yeah. and then you know what's there because you're actually giving it away. Whereas a card, you flash it on the card reader. Oh well, you know what? What? How much was that? Oh, I don't know. It's about a quid, wasn't it? And it's actually three quid. It's quite a difficult thing to to teach. I it think. is, and I think it's Jasmine's right that it needs to be. I think finances need to be taught earlier on, and also it's not just about spending, how to spend it, and how to spend it wisely. It's also about how to save it. You know, mm. look at the, the the primary school that she's talking about. You have, uh, you you get interest on the money you put with the bank. Well, that's just like the real world. Yeah. Well, not <laughs> not in recent years, um, but you know that is just how it should be. Um, and uh, and 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 that's really encouraging to hear. Uh, but I do think more schools should should do something. Yeah, and you amen to that. And you have to be very careful, don't you, that your card doesn't get cloned by an elf. <laughs> maybe that's his maybe that's next year's uh trick up its sleeve um <laughs> <laughs> no now look we're out of time because you've got to go and uh, sort out the the reindeer food the carrot the mince pie whatever and the well if there's any bristol cream left by the time that you've uh, uh been uh, chugging it back i don't know well there might be a, a a wee dram in the, in the bottom of the bottle, but uh, you know, have yourself a merry little Christmas, uh, mm. JP. And uh, you know, what 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 are you up to? Are you up to much or um, uh, just what's, what's what what's happening this year? I'm uh, around the corner at relatives, so uh, no cooking for me. But I'm, well, I was going to say I'll try and chip in with the, the washing up, but they've got a dishwasher, so you know. Pfft. Posh, yeah, posh. yeah, I know. Is it integrated? <laughs> yeah. Hey, always, we're always integrated <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> well, you have a fantastic one too. It's been great throughout the year to do, you know, because we are pretty much a year old. We sort of started, yeah, Decemberish last uh, last year. We should have only... had a party. Well, I know. Yes, I know. And I, yeah, I've, I've seen what your parties are like on LinkedIn. Oh, they're cracking with the elf <laughs> as well. So. We must, of course, thank uh, Charlie and to Jasmine too, and uh, we'll see the other side in 2023. So, uh, happy Christmas, sir. Yes, happy Christmas all and uh, 10-4, JP. Subscribe to us now on all major podcast apps. 